Why would somebody do something like this? If he was in uniform, was he targeted because of that? Was it a random shooting? He certainly seemed to have something against the people he, I think, worked for. This guy should have not been carrying a weapon, period. And, and, I, and I feel very strong about that. Um, you know, with everything going on uh, around the world, I, 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 I don't think that this person should have been holding a weapon, period. Where'd he get it? How did it come into Canada? Like every other illegal gun being used on a daily basis across Toronto, GTA, Hamilton, they come in, they're illegal, and they're not registered. That's how. Um, but, you know, we've been hearing about it in the news, certainly learning in the last, uh, you know, 24 hours about the man who killed a police officer and this father of three. Not, of course, from the SIU, which does not allow for any transparency once they take over from an, for an investigation. But because we dig into these court documents, we go and find them. And as it reveals uh, quite predictably, Sean Petrie was very well known to police across at least four jurisdictions in the province of Ontario, and you'll go through the gambit of things he's been charged with. You've got possession of a firearm, robbery, sex assault, child porn, prostitution, uh, trafficking, impaired driving, breach of bail. I mean, he's done it all. And now he is an accused cop killer and would have been charged also with the murder of that mechanic in Mississauga and attempt murder of three other people who were shot that day. So this is a guy known for extreme violence, extreme, you know, gang-related charges and convictions dating back to at least 2007. You look at the parole records that reveal that uh, back in at least 2010 on one of his um, releases that the parole board itself was so concerned about his repetitive, violent, and dangerous crime cycle that he'd be given extra conditions to keep him away from his gang affiliates and his involvement in the gang subculture. And so they wanted him to be released with extra conditions, including curfews, that he couldn't go to certain areas of Toronto, wearing an ankle bracelet at all time. Whether that happened, we do not know. But clearly, what we do know is that there are enough warnings and convictions and charges and, and, and about this guy to know that he should not have been out in public. John Reed is president of the Toronto Police Association. He joins us now. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you very much for having me on, Alex. And it goes without saying, and I'm sure you've been hearing, uh, I know you've gotten a lot of feedback over the last two or three days from the public, but uh, our thoughts always uh, with all of your officers, yourself and the staff of, uh, of the police, because I know on the front lines, this can be just a, a really, really difficult time. Let me start on that. I mean, are they okay? I mean, when a colleague is actually ambushed and, and assassination, it's not just a death. You know, this was a motivated attack on a constable eating lunch, and that is a lot to process. So, Alex, I'll tell you, you know, in my 34 years, uh, I'm not aware of anything like this ever happening up here in Canada. Um, this is something that has happened down in the U.S., and I, I can only say that, you know, our service, and I believe services across Canada were stunned at such a an uh, outright attack on mm -hmm. policing uh, would take place like this. We have an officer mm -hmm. who's sitting in full uniform, eating his lunch, and to be walk somebody to walk up to him and shoot him uh, with no ability for him to defend himself, and it's just you know unheard of. And I think we really do have to start looking at um, you know this murder. You know, right now where everyone's still reeling, I think. I know the family is devastated. Our membership's devastated. This has had rippling effects across policing. Mm -hmm. We're now in the process of planning a funeral for this officer. 
But I think once that funeral is over, we have to take a hard look here. You know, as you've already covered off there, as more information is coming out about this individual's criminal history, people should be outraged. I can tell you our members are. I am. Mm-hmm. That this individual is out there with that history. Now, obviously, somebody in these situations, when they have such a violent history, you know, in Canada, we're always looking at trying to rehabilitate people. But I will say some people are beyond rehabilitation mm-hmm. and they're a risk to society in general. And I think we need to really have a, a firm conversation about how we deal with these individuals and when do we start putting the rights for the public for their safety and safety of our police officers ahead of a violent individual such as this yeah we, we've moved really far uh, there is no scales of justice we have moved so far to the restorative side of justice that we just want to give people six seven eight nine chances hoping that they're going to become an honorable citizen some people to your point cannot be made good people um you know we haven't heard a lot of outrage we certainly got uh, comments from all the the politicians on this but we really haven't actually seen or, or heard as much outrage as i think we should we've seen these kind of ambush attacks in the united states but we haven't seen it here. Is there a concern among your members um, that that this is going to become a thing? Are there protocols being put into place? I mean, there will be gangsters out there who will look at this and think this is a badge of honor. So is there concern? I think there's absolutely a concern. I think any police officer that's out there in the field each and every day is always aware of their environment, um, and especially now with this tragic incident taking place. You know, our members across Canada are going to be far more alert as far as paying attention to their surroundings. But I I think looking at each officer when they get up each and every day, we all know when you go to work, put on that uniform, there is a possibility you may get injured. You may not come home. But for, you know, once it actually takes place in an instance such as this, it really does bring the stinging reality of policing. I think that's something the public have to understand. And I think the politicians need to understand that we need the support from the governments to protect the citizens here in Canada, citizens here in Ontario and Toronto, protect our police officers and give them the tools they need to do their job. Yeah, I mean, look, they used to put their uniforms on and, and I think, you know, before there was a point where they would actually have the tools as well to do their jobs. I mean, we had other uh, techniques and tools. We had more resources that police could could do the job, whether it was carting, which is controversial, um, you know, Tavis, where they could actually surveil these areas, target in and zone in on criminals. And, and, and at least, uh, John, the, the criminals knew, hey, we can't carry our guns around the street because we may be stopped. Now they know that that's not out there. So we've got criminals running around all over the place with guns, knowing full well that the police can't and won't stop them. And so when they put their uniform on today, it's not the same as, let's say, five or six years ago. We know since 2015, violent gun crime in Toronto has gone up 77%. I have to think it's because we've changed the way we do surveillance or, in fact, don't do it at all anymore. But when police put their uniform on today, they seem to be a lot less uh, supported and going into a much more dangerous um, atmosphere. Is that fair? Is that is that accurate? I think, Zach, there's definitely been an uptick. Um, you know, a serious uptick in gun violence here in Toronto. Everyone sees it every day. Uh, my concern, and I've raised this many times, is we've had officers, we've had shootings. 
uh, here in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. But no one's really taking notice. It's be- almost become normalized now for shootings to mm-hmm. take place here in Toronto, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, some of the media don't cover them, depending how well, We can't keep are. up. Like, With literally, we can't That's- keep up. That's how many there are. It is. And, and for this to be normalized, yeah. it, you know, it can't stand. We need to make sure the public is out there. The public's aware of what's going on and the public needs to voice their concerns. This needs to be driven from the top down. Don't forget all these laws. They're all driven from Ottawa. Ottawa needs to take charge of what's going on with our laws, with these criminals and push from the top on down. We need to make sure that the police are protected and the public are protected. You know, we're going into uh, municipal elections in a matter of weeks uh, across you know, Ontario. This should be the number one priority, certainly if you're in Toronto and the GTHA. Um, this should be the number one issue, and yet I haven't really heard much about it. And so what do you say to those who are trying to keep their jobs? What do you – I mean, they've had, let's say in John Tory's case, eight years to push the federal government to bring in tougher sentencing, tougher bail, more resources for these communities, um, more mentorship programs. There's so many things that need to be done, and none of it's been done. I can tell you uh, through the Toronto Police Association, the Canadian Police Association, we've been uh, advocating with government from uh, the point of view of bail review, bail reform. Uh, You know, the federal government has actually been winding back mandatory sentences for firearms. Uh, yeah. which to me doesn't make any sense at all. You know, I, I always look at if someone's going to commit a particular act and there's consequence or less consequence, they're more inclined to do it. And this is the world we're living in right now. And it needs to stop. Yeah. Needed to stop a long time ago. I got to be honest, John, I do not recognize the city that I have lived in for uh, 25 years. And uh, frankly, I don't know what it's going to take at this point. I thought it would be two kids playing on a playground. I thought maybe a Raptors event shooting. I just, you know, you keep saying, when's it going to stop? Uh, It is falling on deaf ears. Look, I really appreciate you joining us. I know you're very, very busy. And now we've got news of another York police officer who has been killed. Um, It's been a tough time. And I certainly know that police are feeling it. So I thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Alex. That is John Reed joining us from the president of the Toronto Police Association. I think he's being polite, uh, but pretty clear. This has got to stop. No question about it.